0: Hey guys, my name is Justin Terrell, and I'm here to talk about how the movie Dead Poets Society encompasses a significant amount of different existential themes. Um, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Justin, and I'm a uh, sophomore political science and philosophy double major with a minor in German Studies here at Rhodes College. Um, The subject matter I'm here to discuss, in, in general, existentialism, was more broadly introduced to me actually this year. And to say the least, it it changed my outlook on life and and different things. Um, so to start, to start things off anyways, I want to explain where I'm going with this. First, I want to talk about the plot shortly. Um, all of which should hopefully help context the themes a bit more. Um, in general, I hope this plot will help to illuminate a lot of the, the different values, uh, the, the intricate values I'm trying to get at. Secondly, I kind of want to walk through... Um, each of the chronological themes that appear throughout the movie. Um, these themes are, um, for example, existence precedes essence, um, being the Sartorian saying, the kind of the bumper sticker of existentialism, um, Camus' absurdity and how it relates to the two main characters, especially um, Neil and Todd, free will and resisting hurt, this kind of Nietzschean and Sartorian f- way of finding yourself, um, especially through a. More complex self-understanding and realization. Um, the subjective nature of truth. How this kind of antithesis to objectivity is, a, uh, is more of an expression of your individual life and this kind of full realization of your own freedom. Um, suicide, and then Camus' reflection on it. Um, especially how it deals with the earlier discussion on his absurd and this kind of relationship between embracing it or uh, not associating with it. Uh, uh, accepting or rejecting, I should say. Um, next, I want to talk about the realization of their freedom. Um, how all of these kids, like, get this full realization of their freedom, and then this subsequent anxiety. Um, it's very Kierkegaardian, very, uh, very Nietzsche-like, to understand this full realization of their freedom, um, and then, similar to the underground man, find some sort of anxiety in it, or not... The Underground Man doesn't find anxiety of it, but he fully realizes his freedoms. And then this uh, the kind of Kierkegaardian angst which comes with it. Um, lastly, I want to talk about how kind of the full realization of the class leads to this final scene of the, oh, captain, my captain. Um, how it's a symbol of full realization. Lastly, as a little tack-on, I want to talk about how the Headmaster kind of embodies the Grand Inquisitor how the headmaster is kind of the fulfilling the same role as Dostoevsky's The Grand Inquisitor as being a limiter of free will but in good intentions of uh, keeping the happiness above above uh, normal. So, to begin, let's talk about the plot. The students here, Neil Todd and a, this gang of about six guys, uh, form what's called the Dead Poets Society in response to their professors. Um, they're kind of professors remarks about this old thing called the Dead Poet Society. Um, In this, they meet it like a cave off campus, where they share and express themselves in all sorts of independent ways. And it definitely champions their own self understanding of the world and creativity, rather than what their parents want them to do. Which is kind of what makes up Welton. Welton Academy is the school they all go to. It's a prestigious boarding school that obviously costs a lot of money. And everything about the school indicates that there is a stressing on the, how a person should be. How everything is uh, kind of planned, traditional, tried and true. Um, definitely supports a more geometric view of the world. And it often suppresses these students' imaginations and their creativity. And this is kind of the, the dogma of Welton and where we're at right now. The the movie starts with the introduction of Doctor Keating. So after the death of their English teacher, he kind of comes in and is somewhat of an existential mentor to these kids. Um, A very liberal teacher compared to the dogma of Welton and the pedagogy there. Um, Mr. Keating represents a stark difference between these Welton and then the kind of the existential monos of the film. Lastly, as we get into it, you'll see that the kids, especially Neil and Todd, start to begin and understand their kind of newfound freedom. Um, this is the base of the film. This is where I'm going to be starting our existential journey. Um, especially coming at it from a the existence precedes essence kind of uh, kind of bumper sticker from Satyä. So, because of this eventual plot circle, I should I'm going to start by talking about this existential bumper sticker. Um, Existence precedes essence. From Satya's Existentialism is a Humanism, um, this is specifically how the determination of kind of the career grades and lifestyles of Todd and Neil kind of represent a distinct inversion of this. Uh, What do I mean by this? I mean that the kind of the the essence in which they're hoped to fulfill is not alike their existence. Their existence uh, kind of gives path to a new way of self like self comprehension and understanding and this kind of realization that they control their lives not their parents um, this is kind of where I want to start because eventually you'll see that the kids live out this existence precedes essence motto that eventually this realization will come to them um, at the end of the film and they're going to understand that, it's what, that they make, it's what they make of their lives that actually counts that is what life is truly is a making of your own design and choices. Now, as the introduction continues, you see a, a kind of trend of randomness and seemingly illogical scenarios um, in kind of the boys' lives. So you see like a common denominator of different strict families and things like that, which kind of represent, in a broad sense, Camus' absurd Everywhere they look, they seem to be in confusion and kind of complacent in the fact that they've accepted all these kind of odd things happening in their lives, and none of them can make sense of it. Um, This is kind of our mark, um, especially after Keating's first lesson, with the kind of the first introduction to Camus' absurd, and especially the kids' uh, first realization of this absurd that they're being thrown into, kind of. Um, Because each of the five main characters comes from a unique, yet somewhat similar situation, um, through their development with this eventual dead poet society, all of them seem to start realizing the futility of what they once saw as kind of basic and important. Um, Through the teachings of Mr. Keating, the mentor of these boys, they begin to start realizing this full independence of life, and the subsequent lack of reason for certain things they assumed were just principle to life. Next, as the plot continues, we see that, um, especially Dr. Keating, his poetry lessons start to begin. Um, Many of his lessons, including this kind of, the first trophy case scene, promotes the triumph and separation of individual thought from what you once thought prior. Keating's exact words were, life is what you make it, and you can show your future. Both of which help to devalue the dogma of Welton. It both promotes, which both promotes a strict and geometric view of the world. These kids were born and raised in this type of environment, and they're shocked by Keating's lessons on free will and resisting the herd. From Sartre to Nietzsche to Kierkegaard, um, in fact, most existential thinkers talk about this kind of full understanding of your free will, and therefore not kind of sticking with this go with the flow attitude and not sticking with a complacency in life, but more. Finding yourself and finding your decisions and in independence. Keating advocates for a more individualistic approach to life and subsequently t- uh, constantly teaches against the current headmaster of Welton. This is a key part of the eventual transition that happens at the conclusion of the story. Uh, for topic number four, we're going to talk, let's talk about subjectivity. Following Keating's kind of heroic trophy case talk, the next big lesson these these kind of kids will experience is their encouragement to rip out the introduction of their poetry textbooks this kind of drastic measure is exactly what Keating represents to Welton for Keating this lesson is against the mathematical analysis of, of value and the, that the book argues poetry can be weighed upon yet ultimately this lesson is on the importance of subjectivity um, talked about by Nietzsche, Sartre, and Kierkegaard, both in class and during the uh, Dead Poets Society meetings, the kids also grapple with their own newfound value on non-conforming expression and individual truth. Furthermore, it's Keating's later lesson in motif that standing on the desk during class is is him showing... That you can see life from a different angle. His exact quote is that people need to see life from a different angle more. This kind of symbolic standing on the desk is his living, him living his truth out. That being able to not just see things uh, geometrically, mathematically, but to look at things from a different angle in life. As the play continues, you see that Neil eventually realizes that he has his free will and tries out for the play. Um, this kind of play is what he's been desiring to do for a while, but his father had shot down. Um, kind of as an act of resistance and self-identification, he does try out for the play and, and he gets it. Um, he plays a Midsummer Night Dream and he plays the lead and man, apparently he does amazing because at the end they talk about how he got the standing ovation and his argument for why he did it was because other people thought he was good and he, enjoyed it. It was something that he chose to do, and it was his art expression that he knew he wanted to do. But sadly, after the play, Neil is found by his father and the headmaster. Because Neil still did, not, or still did the play, his father threatens to send him to a strict military school. At home, in reaction to this talk, Neil kills himself. This last desperate act of suicide talked about by Camus represents Neil's rejection of the world's absurdity and his ultimate free will to end his life. Correlating a lot to how Camus talks about suicide and this kind of recognition of the absurd, you see here that this is a prime example of him not embracing the absurdity of life. That it's just not him accepting himself, accepting the truth of his situation, and accepting The fact that there are consequences even to this free will, but that he contains the key to his own life. This kind of rejection of that Camusian ideal is exactly what the suicide represents. Now following Neil's death, um, the class, especially the other four members of DPS, of the Dead Poets Society, they exhibit a full realization of their freedom, which is talked about by all the existential thinkers. Um, They eventually stand on their desk in revolt of the headmaster's instruction to read the book and to sit down. They stand on their desk, one after one, shouting, Oh, Captain, my captain, as Dr. Keating, who had just gotten fired, comes back into the room to grab a few things. This, by Neil killing himself, it spurs this kind of full realization of freedom and this getting over of the anxiety that Nietzsche and Kierkegaard talk about. This overcoming of the angst and full embrace of the absurdity by Camus is exactly what these kids represent by standing on their desk. This final and heroic last stance of the film is what wraps up their existential journey. Their full understanding of the subjectivity, the suicide, their absolute freedom. They're their resisting the herd as well as, their, as that existence precedes essence. Is what spurs this kind of getting over it. This full embrace of everything that the absurdity of life has in store. Breaking apart from this traditional Welton student and resisting the herd. Now, as we see, this is exactly what the director of Dead Poet Society is getting at. It's it's not direct and it's not themed, but it it's themed directly. But we see that this kind of the director and the, the writer of this play understands the journey that these kids take, especially in relation to existentialism. There is too many themes that come out of this movie, too many explicit intricacies that I didn't even get into because you would have to watch it. This kind of simplified version is only a base yet deep understanding of kind of the existential themes of of the plotline. This is the understanding that we all need to take from this movie. I this was an astounding project that I couldn't even that I, I didn't understand until I did it of like how much value lies in the perspective you have of certain art forms now although I think I've gotten to my main topic and finishing off the the full existential themes there was another thing the headmaster in Wilton Academy um, is kind of he was my kind of specific choice to try and uh, embody the kind of dostoevsky Grand Inquisitor in The Brothers Karamazov. Kind of symbolically representing a restriction of free will and choice, this kind of antithesis to the existential motto. The Grand Inquisitor does this in hopes of saving humanity and by persevering through the happiness that will become of silencing and suppressing their free will. This is exactly what the headmaster does. Kind of persisting on this excess or this welton dogma he kind of suppresses the like the mm, the kids like way of expressing themselves this silencing is hoping that they will eventually make way for their career that this will eventually help them in more ways than one but he's not letting them do it on their own accords and this is exactly why he represents the grand inquisitor that although he has the best interests in mind his strict and suppressing nature is what kind of makes him this grand inquisitor character and what i think represents kind of the antithesis to alyosha and jesus in the brother brothers karamazov so to wrap it up i want to talk about my talk about <laughs> i want to go through every point that we just went through and kind of re-recognize the importance first we talked about the fact that existence precedes essence this kind of Sartorian saying is crucial to understanding this this kind of plot circle that the movie goes over. That although it represents kind of the opposite at the beginning, each of these kids learn and understand the saying and live it out. Secondly, I talked about Camus' absurdity and how it eventually relates to the Neil and Todd kind of directly, and the recognition of the fact that there is an absurd thing there. Absurd things in life that we just all have to learn to recognize and that in order um, As which the suicide kind of symbolically represents you have a choice to either embrace it or reject it and He rejects it Uh, But that doesn't come before the free will and resisting the herd lesson that dr. Keating kind of insists upon the students is that they learn to understand and uh, understand and comprehend that they have ultimate control of their lives and actions and this kind of resisting the herd attitude is exactly what existentialism champions. Next, we talked about the subjective nature of truth, how each of these kind of anecdotal stories kind of, kind of are pushed as Keating understands that there is an ob- there is a subjective nature to life, that no matter where we are, we see a different perspective, and that this kind of eventual, or uh, eventual transition from objectivity of Welton that these students kind of learn that there are other truths outside of their own, and outside of just one. This eventual realizing of their freedom after the few lessons that Keating taught them and these meetings of the Dead Poet Society, they understand and realize that th- they have the freedom to do what they want. But with it comes this anxiety. This anxiety that Neil expressed when he decided to try out for the play. This kind of overcoming of it. But first you have to understand that there is an anxiety or that anxiety comes with the recognition of the absurd. Next, as we already talked about, was the suicide and how Camus kind of understands suicide as a rejection of life's innate absurdity. And Neil is exactly an example of it. Lastly, I want to talk about how there is a full realization of freedom. Throughout the class, as in this last heroic style, they stand up and they, uh, they quote Walt Whitman, the existential poet. I should say, he is not really, but he exemplifies a lot of those same motifs. That there is an, oh, captain, my captain. That this overcoming of the anxiety they once felt fully realizes and understands their freedom. Lastly, I tried to draw the conclusion that the headmaster resembles the Grand Inquisitor being this kind of misshapen character of somebody who has the right intentions but the wrong doings we see that the headmaster is kind of resembling of Dostoevsky's hypothetical character the grand inquisitor thank you guys so much if you guys would like to reach out to me my email is t e r g or J- T-E-R-J-G-22 at Rhodes.edu I'd love to talk to any questions about it and if anybody would like to talk about existentialism I absolutely love the class thank you Dr. Judakin um, I can't wait to explore more and dive man, thank you guys so much you have a good one, Bye bye